Hello and welcome to the Keto Man's Club podcast. We're glad you're here, where each week we talk about men's health and lifestyle. We do so with the foundation of the ketogenic diet and lifestyle. If you don't know what keto is, stick around and you'll find out. The podcast will bring you real honest fun. Each week we strive to uncover the tips and tricks that you can use in your everyday life to maximize your overall health and find the clearest path to becoming the best version of yourself that you were meant to be. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Keto Man's Club podcast. My name is Chris. I'm one of your hosts. And this week I am joined by Jim and Alberto as always. And we have a, uh, a really interesting and a, and a bit of a one-off episode for you guys, our listeners. And so it'll be a, a really good time to uh, answer some questions that you guys have asked about a topic that Berto specifically has been learning quite a lot about. Before we get to Berto and all of that, Jim, what's new with you? Last week, we did our first live video podcast, which kudos to you, Christopher, for pulling all the technology and making it happen. Much appreciated. Saw some nice engagement on our social media and all that good stuff and everything. And life was good. And I celebrated going into that with some barbecue. And the next day, the barbecue decided that we do not like you anymore. <laughs> and so a severe case of stomach flu kicked in for about five days. And that whole intermittent fasting, we did that, a lot of that over the last few days and everything. Actually, today is the first day I've felt somewhat of an appetite and a bit normal. I don't advise going into uh, gastroenteritis or whatever it's called when you have food poisoning and the stomach bug for uh, ketoizing. But it did help a little bit, so I'm not going to complain. So it's, we're we're surviving. Sunny. That was that's been my week. Yeah, sunny sides on all yes. that. I'm glad you were concerned that it was something more severe, and I'm glad that it wasn't in the end. And uh, yep. you, you were able to track it back to its source. Hopefully, you're able to fully cook the uh, foods. Pink meat is never a good thing. Lesson learned. Pink pork. Steak. Well, pink, pink pork. pork. Yeah. Pink steak. Oh, I'll eat it all day long. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yep. So, Berto, this episode's centric around you to a degree once again, but you are, you just had your birthday, 41st birthday. Yep. And this is, it's been a, a bit of a good week for you in that regard. You're also wrapping up the carnivore keto cut, which is our theme for today in general. But from your perspective, how's it been? Good. I mean, I overall, it was a good week. We said it was my birthday, so that went well. I leaned out a little bit. I'm sure you saw the picture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that went well. I'd say I got a tooth yanked out of my head yesterday, so that was probably a, the biggest downfall. But all things considered, that's been going really well, too, because I was on pain meds yesterday. And as of this morning, I ditched the heavy stuff, and I'm just taking this super giant ibuprofen horse pills, and those <laughs> seem to be working. So back to work tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Non-painful tooth extractions is a, a very good thing. For sure. So that's great. So let's hit in towards it. We'll get into our, our topic fully here in a minute, but let's let's circle back to our shout outs real quick. Berto, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Uh, this is a, a guy who like I approved his his membership today, actually. And it, this was from a different group. There's like a dad's fitness group that I'm in. I post on occasionally. And for a while, I was that crazy, weird keto guy there. But after a while, I just keep posting and posting. They're like, oh, this this guy's kind of serious. He actually uh, <laughs> it reached out to me and just started asking me questions. And then it led to the, him revealing that he's been keto for a year and he's stalled out and working out four times a week. And so I obviously gave him a link to the group and he messaged me back saying he answered the questions. So I let him in. But uh, his name is uh, Matt Berzinski. 
He did in, in the new members, Jim's new members welcome. He, he added, oh, no, I'm sorry, not that. It was a Transformation Tuesday. He added his picture and he's super excited to be in the group. Thanked me like a hundred times hmm. and is hoping to get himself a little more dialed in. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get him straightened out. Should be Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Always ways to, to tweak, improve, dig a little deeper. That's true if you're six months in or like me, three and a half years in. There's always ways to tweak and improve. Jim, we, we can't, what's your pick? Um, I have a, a group shout out, so to speak, to the gents who have started posting up photos of their new Stakes Are Greater Than Shakes mm-hmm. and TKMC photos. So I, you guys did the finishing touches and packaging on the shirts, which I greatly appreciate. Special shout out to Ant, who is our graphics man and screen printer and all that good stuff. They look awesome. I have seen some great photos just in the last 24 hours or so of the guys that have posted up their pics and everything. And uh, looking forward to more of those. Uh, kudos to all of the, the gents who jumped on board, got themselves a shirt or two or a sticker. Berto, thank you for doing those as well. And yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Those stickers. Yeah, this is out there. Uh, a couple of guys have reached out saying that the stickers are being a little finicky and hard, which I, I knew might've been a problem when these things take extreme temperatures, usually in shipping. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work well for them, but I do have a different backing material. So if you are having issues with the stickers or if you burn through all the stickers you ordered and didn't quite get one to lay out, just reach out to me. I, I will gladly cut more stickers and try this other backing and see if we have better luck that way. Yeah. I, you had given me one of the first ones that you cut and I just couldn't get it to stick to my bottle for nothing. So at least not without coming along or wrinkling and all that type of stuff. Uh, so but yeah, no big it, deal. We, we, we'll yep. get it sorted out. Like I said, I got another backing material I can play with and I will definitely uh, do a bunch of testing on it. Cool. So if you need more, just hit me up. We'll take care of it. Sure. Very cool. Yeah. The stickers are, are great. They're, they're, Really not stickers. They're vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. So they really are the type that are made to stick on your car and stay there regardless of wet and rain and all that type of stuff. They're heavy duty. They're good stuff. My shout out for the week is going to Brandon Caraway. He's He posted a picture. He's been uh, keto for about seven months and he's you can tell he's getting some really great results. But the thing that I really liked about his post was he threw in a in there a last line. If anyone can relate to my story, drop relate in the comments. And it, it, one of those one of those things where he's trying to to connect with folks and and see who else is involved. And I think or, or experiencing the same and encouraging conversation, which is uh, part of what we like to see. So wanted to give a shout out for that. And his results are great, but his desire for community and and connecting with community was was even better. That's uh, most of the business. Now, for our listeners, a quick reminder, all of the links to, to the ways that you can connect with us are on our website, theketomansclub.com. And if you can, take a moment or two and leave a review, leave a comment on the Facebook page, wherever and whatever you can do to get the word out and share a little bit about us and the in into the world will help the algorithm see more of us and put us in front of more people. This is a Q&A episode. We're going to try and answer as many questions as we can, but normally we're sharing the stories of people who have been there, done that. And I think there's a lot of power to that. And if nothing else, it helps people realize that they too can improve and overcome. And that message 
is very important to get out. And so we want to get that out in front of as many people as we possibly can. So theketomansclub.com is a great way to connect with us. You can also call and leave us a voicemail. I'm not going to play it right now, but I actually got a voicemail from one of our newer members. He has He's one of the ones that's fired through all 64 of the podcast episodes in a, apparently a, a binge session uh, as he's been uh, doing 75 hard walks each night and He's uh, really he, he left a, a Berto style voice message while he was on one of those walks. And you can leave a voicemail for us at 512-518-6161. And we would look forward to, to hearing from you, literally. And then also you can email us at ketomansclubpodcast at gmail.com. So we had a, we put out a call for questions regarding the carnivore keto cut that Berto has been going through these last few weeks and is starting to get to the end of let's talk generalities the the basic experience real quick and things like that and then we'll get into the actual questions that you our listeners and the community members uh responded with so berto tell us a little bit about what the experience has been like it's been very interesting very eye-opening i've done cuts in the past and just uh, not quite so structured i did one last year worked out real well for me but it was just kind of me winging it so this year I decided to take buy a program, found a more structured approach, and it was definitely uh, eye-opening, uh, a lot more difficult than I anticipated. And, and I wasn't like pre- prepping for a bodybuilding competition or anything, because if I was, the calories would continue to drop and drop. I think Jonathan Shane had mentioned that he was down to 1,600 a day as he was getting closer to what ended up being his photo shoot because it got canceled. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I was nowhere near that. I, I, was, I got down to 2,180 as my low, but for 2,180, for just for the sake of trying it is really low for me, uncomfortably low. And when you force yourself to stick to it, yeah, you learn about yourself, the grind. Mm-hmm. When, when you're grinding hard and when you're struggling is when you dig deep and, and you you find the breaking points and, and where you're struggling. And I was able to find a few of those. So it was uh, it was definitely interesting and worth it for sure. It's, uh, it's a four-week cut, two weeks at your lowest amount. And I'm on my second week now. And then next week I'll start to reverse, which is also very important because then you slowly add calories back in week by week. Because what I want to do is just eat like a pig <laughs> on Sunday when this thing is over. But that's what everybody wants to do. So that's where the reverse diet comes in very handy. Because if I just start eating like crazy, then everything I've worked for and as lean as I got will pretty much, from what I understand, just go straight out the window. Yeah. And we we definitely don't want that. You want to hang on to what you got for a minute and then for me, it's obviously uh, as the calories taper back up, I'll have a really, I, I should in theory, have really good control of where I find a sweet spot of getting my gym performance to creep back up, but still being able to hang on to as much of this lean as possible and, and try to find a happy medium in there instead of uh, what I was doing before. So in a sense, for me, it was a way of, of, of truing things up. Like you would take mm-hmm. your car in for a tune-up just to make sure everything was up to snuff before a long road trip. This is how I how I took this cut on just to like reevaluate trim the fat so to speak and the, and the true things up yeah trim the fat funny yeah so it's been been fun getting to watch you on this from my side of things just because i i have seen the, the transportation the pictures or like when you were in the, here at the house and you definitely have you've leaned out and it's not like you even had that high of a body fat percentage to start with you You've been reasonably lean for a while, and so you've just gotten that added definition, and while you are probably 
quite a bit smaller than maybe you had been previously. You have you you just have more, much more definition for the muscles that you have maintained because that's the other wonderful thing about being on a ketogenic diet is that it's very muscle sparing. So you can absolutely do build the muscle and, and whatnot, and then you go into a, a cut. And normally what people fear whenever they're doing a cut is that they end up fearing that they're going to lose lose the, the gains that they've had over their build, their build or their bulking period and, and things like that. But with keto, that shouldn't happen because you're, you shouldn't see much in the way of glyconeogenesis that would end up pulling or, or extracting glycogen from your protein stores because you're not going into a protein deficit. Talk a little bit about the macros and that goes along with some of these questions here. It, it, how are they structured? Why are they structured? Things like that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you're starting off good when like I've known Danny Vega for a while. This is his program. So uh, we'll get into the program here in a second, but I've known him for a while and uh, I messaged him, let him know I bought it. You know, I, I paid for it. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to buy this thing. I'm going to pay for it. And that's why, you know, I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen. And he immediately texted me right back saying, he's like, don't use the spreadsheet. I got to custom write your macros. He's like, you're one of the few that are actually eating enough to start with. <laughs> so I was already starting off at a good point there, but uh, it's basically a spreadsheet. It's his spreadsheet. Obviously it's proprietary to, to, to the program. Mm -hmm. And the spreadsheet gives you your starting macros. And then week one, you're pretty much already starting off at a, at a pretty good size deficit. I think it was three or 400 calories. I'm not sure. And then it just tapers down from there till you get to your low, your quote unquote low, whatever that may be for you based on your height and weight and, you know, lean body mass. And every week, uh, what I really liked about this is the protein stayed static mm -hmm. the entire time and you tapered back the fat from, I'm going to call it higher fat to high fat. Because even at my leanest, which is now my lowest calorie jar now in grams, I'm still one-to-one -one fat and protein, mm -hmm. which by percentage ends up still being upwards of 67 to 70% fat. So it's still a, a very fat-heavy ketogenic diet by percentage. And, and no, that's where I found it most interesting because uh, a lot of these guys that go on these cuts, and I'm not saying it doesn't work, but they always pull a lot from fat and their fat gets really low. And mine is as low as it's ever been, but still eating 165 grams of fat a day it's not like protein sparing modified fast low. Mm -hmm. It's still adequate amount of fat to, to keep you healthy. And I could most definitely survive on these macros if I chose to, um, just that it gets hard with the activity level. So to, to follow up with that, the, the, the point that I was making or digging for, I was setting you up for, and you did a good job putting right in the hoop. The idea of this particular cut specifically doesn't doesn't reduce or cut back on your protein. You start at an adequate amount of protein intake. You cut out every carb that you possibly can because it's a carnivore cut. And then you just manipulate the fat. I think that's an important thing to to understand and, and know and uh, with that. Now, each cut, depending on who it is that's setting up, is going to be different. And so you need to you, you need to follow whoever it is that you choose to follow and try to dig into their why on some of that in and make sure now Danny does a good job in the documentation I've seen the the, the keto cut or the work keto cut documentation because I was given it because I work with Danny so he he's I'm not gonna make you pay me whenever I'm just gonna pay you back <laughs> he gave it to me 
So I've got the documentation. It's well written. And he explains and goes into a lot of the science. And that's really helpful for sure. And to that point, Chris, like you were saying, there's no shortage of coaches out there. Mm -hmm. There's no shortage of styles out there. So that kind of just proves your point. Find the coach, the style that resonates with you the most, that you feel most comfortable with, that that has the macros that that you think are going to work the best for you. You got to be mentally all in. Mm -hmm. So find that coach that's going to, that's going to jive with, with your ideas and with the way you feel with where your brain's at and go with that guy. Chances are all the big names out there and, and what the results are going to be. You just got to be willing to be a hundred percent all in mentally. And in that context, you're better off picking a quote unquote coach and by coach. Like he didn't coach me. He just gave me, I followed his program, but uh, pick who you like and and go all in with that. And you got to be mentally all in. So I think it's less about which direction you decide to go and more about which one you're more mentally prepared to stick to. So talking about the, that concept, the different cuts and everything that you have done, was there a different mindset with this one going into it? Did you anticipate a different challenge than what you've experienced with other cuts that you've done before? How obviously the macros and things were different, but did you do other things to prepare? I was completely unprepared for this. I mean, I thought I was ready for it, but I've never done anything like it before as far as the structure involved. Pretty much in in, in concepts, someone telling me this is what you're going to eat. Whereas before I'd be like, I'm a little extra hungry. Well, whatever. I'm still in a deficit. I'll just add a little bit of this at the end of the day. No big deal. Whereas here, it's like, if you're going to stick to it, my macros were handed to me and, and this is what you stick to. These are the calories you stick to. This is the fat. This is the protein. Obviously, it was as little carbs as humanly possible. And, and then so there's diets where you're just ravenously hungry and the food's in front of you and you've, you've got to make the decision and you've got to make the conscious decision to, that you're not, you're going to have to stop eating because you've hit your numbers. And that part I was definitely not prepared for because I'm just not used to it. So there, there was definitely a lot of mindset, a lot of challenges. And, and like I stated last week, all the keto foods are still in my pantry. All the regular stuff I would normally eat still in my pantry. All the cheese sticks are still in the fridge. And I, and, and I just, I just, it was not in the program, so I couldn't eat it. And when you're starving and you're staring at, you know, the, the tub full of cheese sticks that your kids <laughs> munch on and the bags of cashews and the bags of pecans and the bags of pumpkin seeds that you would normally have no problem getting a handful, throwing a handful back. It's not part of the program. I could just as easily have reached my hand there and taken a handful of those and been happy, but I didn't because that's that's not what I paid for. I was I got to stick with it. So the mind games are real, and it only got harder the farther I got along and as the calories got lower. And knowing that all that food was still there and having to pretend that the Rebel ice cream isn't in the freezer because my wife eats it and then all the snacks that are still there. So it, yeah, it was a challenge. It was a challenge for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You, we'll we'll end up hearing your quote final results after this week is over and whenever you weigh yourself at the gym since your home scale took a crap and <laughs> you're having yeah yeah <laughs> his smart scale won't connect to his phone anymore because the app went out and so it won't even give him a yeah. reading without the phone it's that's like the dumbest smart it's, it's the most device asinine thing I've ever seen yeah that, <laughs> at least my scale. Even though it gives like a barcode that my phone can scan to log the readings, at least it's dumb enough that it gives me the readings whether I have my phone on me or not. Yeah. It was very polite. Like you'd step on it and it would say, please connect to your phone. But there's no app on your phone because they stopped supporting it. So I was but like someone had to write that in. Like, why couldn't you just let the scale be a scale? Like, I don't need a data. I just want to know how much I weigh. But no, it didn't do that either. So yeah. blessing in disguise because mm-hmm. that yeah, was just one less thing that. One less thing I had to worry about, because obviously it's a cut. The idea is to lose weight. 
Sure. Uh, week two, week two, I think it was week two or week three, the scale completely crapped out. So I was like, I'm not buying our scale anytime soon. So I guess mm-hmm. we're just going to wing it from here. And it was all visual from that point. I did away myself once at the gym just to see which way I was trending. But at the gym, they got the doctor style scale. Yeah. And I've never stepped on it before. There's no, it, you know, it's a, it's a bad comparison to go from a digital scale on my bathroom floor to that scale and try to compare one to the other. Yeah. The, is, it, we always say the scale is a good metric and something to to use, but it's only one thing and you have to use one consistent thing. So if I go to scale one, two, and three, all three of them, even if they're all calibrated for themselves, are probably all going to give me slightly different readings. And yeah, it, it is one of those things. You'll, you'll just have to go back to the reading that you had from that one time that you used it and just hope that it's close enough to what the what you were at before or whatnot and go from there. It'll be interesting to hear what that is. But as far as your body fat percentage and things like that, you it's obvious you've lost body fat. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see maybe possibly if you can fork over a little cash, you might be able to get a DEXA scan and see what those results look like. Yeah, if there's a time, it's now. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, but like, where speaking you're of the, the scale breaking, mm-hmm. and, and this is where I can relate a lot with everyone now, is is excuses. It, I could have given myself an excuse every week not to stick to this. And, and, and as I said before, like for me, the sticking to keto part is easy. Like it, I don't think twice about it. I actually, previous to this, had a hard time understanding why people struggle with keto. But, but having gone through this experience and forcing myself to suffer a little bit, uh, I completely understand the struggles in that other people go through like and i'll just go through these quickly and we can get into them a little more if we want but first of all i had work travel work travel mm-hmm. i could have thrown in the towel at any point like oh i gotta travel for work no chance at me hitting my macros now but work travel i was able to find a hotel i was able to find an heb grocery store and i bought a couple of ham steaks bought a half dozen eggs and i bought a stick of butter and i stuck with my macros by sitting in my hotel room and cooking my own meals outside of the one night where I had invited to go out to dinner, in which case I just purposely under ate just so that I wouldn't overeat. I was still hungry when I got back. And I'm like, at least I know I'm below my macros, which is probably a better bet than above my macros. And it, it was a chicken dish and I barely ate any of it. So I know I was way below. <laughs> then week two, I caught what I call Schrodinger's COVID. Take from that what you will. I'm not trying to go down this rabbit hole any more than we have to. And I'm not trying to say it's not real. I'm not trying to say it's not severe, depending on the individual but I had every symptom that you could possibly think of, but I simultaneously tested negative twice when I went to go get tested. So I call it Schrodinger's COVID because I both A, had it, and then simultaneously did not have it because I couldn't prove I had it. That was week two. It took me out for the whole week. I still stuck to my macros, but I was, I was in bad shape for about a day and a half. And the rest of the week, I was just really off and had to sleep a lot more normally, a lot more than I normally do. So, I mean, that right there would have been the best reason of ever not to stick to it. But I stuck to the macros. I suffered my way through. I literally force-fed myself because hunger was definitely not a thing. Then the scale broke. Week three. There's, <laughs> there could have been my excuse right there. Could have thrown a towel right there. Week four, my birthday. Yeah. Could have thrown a towel right there. I just had my wisdom tooth pulled yesterday. I stuck to my macros yesterday. I stuck to my macros today. And from here forward, it's, gonna, it's just going to get easier. <laughs> so the excuses are there. The excuses are always going to be there. It's just a, it's, it's a matter of, of sticking to your guns and really digging deep within yourself. And then and going for what you really want as opposed to the easy way out, because I had no shortage of easy ways out. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's pretty universal. I think that any one of us is actually going to have those types of things uh, come at us in life if and when we have something that we're going after when we when we're struggling for something 
it's the inevitable thing that you will find that it is harder to do it than you thought because adversity it breeds further adversity on some level. And so pushing through, making it happen is all that really matters in the end. And you've done, you are doing that actively and it's been really fascinating and awesome to, to get to watch that. Yeah. And especially in the context that uh, real quick, just in the context that if I were to call it quits for the day or the week, I was just falling back to keto. Hmm. So it's not like I was going completely off the rails. I, I would have still been a hundred percent on a plan just not the plan. <laughs> did the, what, what were the non-fitness benefits of what you did? Any different mental sides of things or energy-wise, just anything that you noticed that wasn't interesting? There were very few actual fitness advantages <laughs> to doing this. <laughs> this was this is pure vanity. My your strength goes down, your recovery goes down. It, you you struggle. I was a lot more tired than I normally am. So as far as, as performance in the gym goes, there was definitely not any advantage. I, I hit one PR the whole time, which is actually one I've been chasing for a while. So for me, that was the biggest one I could ever ask for. But mentally, on the other hand, and this is something I've talked about in the past too, because in case you haven't known, I'm usually a pretty big eater. I went through the bulk, stuck with the bulk through the early part of this year, then went into what I thought was maintenance. And then the lockdowns happened. So I, I knocked that down a little bit just because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I came to the conclusion that my hunger signals were completely out of whack. And I had no, I could literally sit down and convince myself I was hungry and then be hungry. And then two bites later, convince myself I was full and I'd be full. So I was eating to specifically hit a macro number, even though I wasn't sure if I was truly hungry. And I had really no way of gauging if I was truly hungry, just from my really aggressive bulk cycle. And, and, and coming off of that. So mentally, this was really good in the sense that I was hungry. Like I was legitimately hungry, ravenously hungry on a few occasions. And I know what that felt like. But at the same time, when it came time to eat, I could only eat so much, which I knew in my head was adequate, but it didn't feel like it was adequate, if that makes sense. So there was a huge mental benefit for that. And, I, and that to me is worth the whole thing. Because I honestly, the more I thought about it, I'm like, I was sitting down at dinner one night eating what I thought was my quote unquote maintenance macros. And I'm just staring at this plate and I'm like, oh man, I'm not even full, but I got to eat this. And then it hit me. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not even hungry. I'm not even hungry, but I got to eat this. And then that's when it hit me. I'm like, why are you going to eat it if you're not hungry? Because you think that this is the number where your maintenance is at. Clearly it's not. If I'm staring at this food and the thought of taking another bite is almost nauseating, yeah. but I'm going to keep on eating it anyways because I know I can. That's a it's a very slippery slope and I was right on the cusp of, of, of who knows. It could have been disastrous. I could have just wrote it out and been fine. But uh, looking back, it was a, it, it's a very odd spot to find yourself in. Very cool. Very cool. Anything else to to cover before we get into the specific listener questions? I'll just go over the program real quick. I'm sure it's in one of the questions, but we'll just go over. So obviously it's a, it's Danny Vegas carnivore keto cut. So it's hundred percent animal based carbs are five or lower, meaning that you're going to inevitably eat some residual carbs, no matter what you're eating. We all know that the program itself is right around 40 bucks. And basically you're paying for his spreadsheet. You're paying for a bunch of literature, which is all very useful. It has meal ideas, but not a meal plan which doesn't that big of a deal to me because if all you're eating is animal products. It makes the eating part pretty easy. And then you're paying for his training, 
the his tra- his training program that goes along with it. So the mm-hmm. way I looked at it, as far as I was concerned, for for the forty bucks that it cost, the, the training program alone, the workouts were probably worth the money, because especially if it was something I'd never done before. That, that's uh that's the cut in a nutshell. It tapers you down in calories and macros over four weeks, like I said, and you hold two weeks, then uh, you opt in extra. I opted in a little extra to for the six week reverse where he'll actually structure the reverse, or you could just wing it. I opted in to go for the structured reverse just because this is the first time I've ever done it. And I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And I wanted all my safety nets. Yep. Very cool. So yeah, it's a great program. And if you are out there and you're hearing this and are thinking that you want to push through, get rid of the last bit of fat that you have, or or just push, push yourself mentally, this would be a great opportunity for you. And so definitely think about that, consider it and invest in a quality program. It doesn't have to be this one, but this one's definitely quality and, and invest. And I'm sure that you'll be good. Let's talk about some, or let's go to some of the questions here that that have been asked that are some just real basic ones any changes to your water intake yeah mind you it's summertime here in texas and i have a pretty active job but i believe i was drinking a lot more water than i normally do and part of it's because you're i was really hungry and you can drink all the water you want and it'll fill up your belly for a little bit so i don't know if that had anything to do with it but I, i do feel like I was drinking more water than I normally would, but I normally drink a lot of water this time of year being in Texas anyway. So it's it, it's hard to gauge whether it was significantly higher or it was just the time of year. Yeah, absolutely. What is your normal rule of water intake? Because I know you've got a job where you're just sweating it out to beat the band 90% of the time and you add a yeah. salt also. I've heard different things where guys say it's half your body weight in pounds should be what you drink in ounces of water a day. So if you weigh 200 pounds, you should drink 100 ounces of water. For me, I drink to thirst because, I mean, there's days where I'm driving eight hours in an air-conditioned truck. And there's days where I'm sweating it out in a 110-degree body shop. I can tell you, logically speaking, there's two different water requirements for each scenario. But basically every morning, at this point, I almost never drink water that doesn't have salt and electrolytes in it. And for electrolytes, I use the LMNT recipe, which I I just get get the ingredients. I I don't buy the stuff because I'm cheap. I get the pink salt, the no salt, and the magnesium malate, and I make it myself. And and it is in every sip of water I take. Uh, I start off the day by slamming about 20 ounces of it and then refill it as soon as I walk into the kitchen. And then from that point forward, my water, my stainless steel water bottle is probably about 20 to 24 ounces. And I'll drink anywhere from three to 10 of those a day, just depending on on the activity level and and my thirst level, really. And And all of them will have salt in them in some capacity. I... For the most part, I don't salt discriminate. If the salt's available and I can get my hands on it and put it in my water, I don't care where it comes from. I will take it and I will do it. Okay. Because it, and I, I've said this in the past too. If you don't, if you find yourself not having enough salt, the side effects of that are far worse than worrying about uh, where your salt comes from or any minuscule mm-hmm. amount of dextrose that might be in table salt. Yeah. So, so it's just just get your salt in. It's it's incredibly important. Absolutely. And to that extent, I think you answered it, but electrolyte changes just saw element ultimate ultima. And yeah, you just kind of, you kind of answered that along with that, where, where you, you make your own. I will say I, I have the stuff to make my own for the element. I've had the packages of element and actually use that. I 
also use, I personally use Ultima more commonly because it comes in tubs and it's a little easier to scoop out a couple things of. And I I like that personally a, a little better. And I use it not just for the electrolytes, although that's definitely a reason, but it also is a, a nice change up because it has some flavor to it. And so I'm able to. Oh, it to, tastes great. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all good options. Now, I would be careful with that on if you are taking in a lot of those, the amount of stevia that's in there would add up eventually. And so your total carb count would hit or be above that five, potentially, depending on how much you have in a day. So just be aware of that. Now, Ultima is it has stevia in it. And then it's in that as far as sweeteners go, that's pretty much as natural as it gets. And so I, I don't bulk too much at that particular item now along the same lines the energy levels you, you've talked about being a little bit lower what is a typical pre-workout regiment uh look like in order to get the most out of your lifting oh you guys aren't ready for this answer you can't handle uh, truth. oh you're gonna you're gonna love it i uh was drinking protein shakes oh really <laughs> what i was well and here's and here's the thing because I work out first thing in the morning. I literally wake up, alarm goes off about 4 o'clock in the morning. I try to hit the door by 4.30, 4.45. I'm out the door. And I'm at the gym and I'm training. Now, when I'm eating what I normally eat, which is an extremely adequate amount of food, I have never had a problem working through a workout with just coffee, salt, and a little bit of fat, whether it be olive oil or MCT oil or whatever. Never had a problem with it. But as these calories got lower... Uh, I have to admit, I do not think I would have been able to keep any kind of intensity up at the gym in the, that high of a deficit without having something in my stomach. And, and logically speaking, the, the one of the only things you can really consume that's going to digest fast enough to be of any benefit is whey protein. And uh, there's no bones about it. It's just the way it is. And so I, would, I bought the, I think it was the ISO 100. And then I would just mix a scoop with cold coffee, slam that, and then head off to the gym. And that seemed to work pretty good for me. I didn't go in completely empty when I was really low on calories. So I can't, I don't have really anything to compare it to, but yeah, it was, I talked to a bunch of people about it. And it, it, the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. Like, so it, it's one scoop a day on training days and a hundred percent of the rest of everything I was eating was coming from food and under the circumstances, I, I really think it was a no brainer and, and I don't regret it. And if I'm, I'm still in this deficit and I'm training, I'm still going to be taking my one little scoop and everything else will be coming from beef and eggs. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was my pre-workout was my 20 ounces of salted water followed by a, a little bit of salt and coffee with one scoop of protein powder in it. And then I would fill up my jug again and then hit the gym and then, and then go through my workouts and don't get me wrong. They were hard because I was in a caloric deficit so that nothing came easy. So at that point it was just any little bonus I could possibly give myself. So on the side of trying to stay dialed in, you took advantage of using a, a very low carb, low whey protein isolate. In that same vein, someone else asked, what meals have been your biggest go-to meals to nail the strict macros? Yeah, that, that's, obviously that's a good question. It's it, in the sense that's where the carnivore comes in easy because basically you're just eating meat and you're just, you're manipulating around that. And then you obviously have to stick to the fatter, the fattier cuts of meat because you got to get your fat if you're going to get anywhere near hitting that fat macro. So for me, every day was based off of a pound and a half of ground beef and then eggs would go around that and then whatever pork rinds to fill in and every once in a while, like uh, anything I could find really. But uh, every day was at bare minimum a pound of ground. And then from there, it would just be a matter of fillings. So I would say in order from in order of proteins from highest to lowest in my usage, 
I was very beef heavy. Uh, next up would be pork and then chicken, which is usually do chicken wings here on Sunday. So there was a little bit of chicken in there. And I had some tuna cans left over when I was ravenously hungry. And, and in my eyes, it was like, these are extremely low calorie and there's a whole can of food in here. <laughs> so I did dig into a little tiny bit of a tuna. And then I was actually eating very small amounts of liver. And that pretty much covered everything. I did no dairy other than butter and absolutely no sweeteners this entire time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. Now, on the liver side, one question was organ meats and how do you prepare them and how should you uh, should those who've never had them start out? This is a new territory for you. Yeah, because I don't do much organ meats. Chicken hearts, in my opinion, we've talked about on the show before, are probably the easiest to let them be your training wheels. And I found a way to make them extremely palatable and, and I... I've literally fed them to everyone that was willing to try them, and they all agreed that they don't that they're not bad, all things considered. But chicken hearts are cheap, so you can play with them. Some people just like to saute them up in butter. What I ended up doing, which is a little bit more on the extravagant side, is I will brine them overnight in just a salt water solution. It'll get real t- tender, and then I'll rinse them. I'll wrap each one in a half a slice of bacon, and I'll just throw it on the smoker or the grill until the bacon's crispy, and it, and it dries them out. And they, they lose that weird chewiness to them because of the brine and the smoke. And then basically at that point, it just tastes like you're eating a piece of bacon with a little extra meat behind it. And, and that to me is hands down the easiest way to start getting into organ meats and get your training wheels in. I did start playing with calf liver. At first, I was trying to cook it. And it's, it's not as bad as I remember, but it's not great. So basically, <laughs> what that came down to is I am now consuming about a half ounce of raw frozen calf liver every day. I mean, I got it cut up in little tiny squares and laid down a little half ounce layers on, uh, on parchment paper in the deep freezer. And basically I just pop a little one in my mouth and, and I knock it back with uh, basically my morning coffee and pop another one in my mouth, knock it back with my morning coffee. Uh, you do have to cut them pretty small because you're trying to swallow them whole. And from what I read, you want them in the freezer for at least two weeks before you start trying to eat them just to make sure that you get rid of any pathogens that might be in there. Now, mind you, these I bought frozen. So I don't, there's no way to calculate how much time they were frozen before they got to you. But I still waited two weeks after I chopped them up before I started taking them just because I'm trying to be 100% safe. They're a little tricky to eat that way because you're cutting them to squares and they're frozen. But it is a lot easier for me as far as flavor, as far as everything to get them down that way. And I think I feel better. It could be 100% in my brain, but, but it seems to be working pretty good and I'm going to continue doing it. If you need me to write it out for you, hit me up and I'll definitely do that. But uh, between those two, that'll at least get you started. We know uh, Culinary Lion, Frank, uh, actually has a really good beef heart recipe that I'm still dying to try. I just got to get my hands on a heart and that'll probably be my next adventure. Very cool. You, you broke up a little bit in there, but I, I think we got the the basic idea. So we'll, we'll keep going. Jim? So with that, I'm curious when you say the freezing kills the pathogens, normally you think that heating and cooking it does so i've never what does the why does the freezing do that any idea it's just with the the literature that came with the program i I don't know i was reading a bunch of stuff on liver when i was attempting to dare this so i I might not be 100 percent on the source i'm sure i can find it because i can narrow it down to either it was in the program or it was one other website i was on and if i find it i'll definitely post it but they they had said pretty much exactly that you make sure it's in the deep freezer for two weeks so that everything that's in there is gone i try anything that might be in there is, is completely gone so that's yeah, what I went with. But it's news to me. Interesting. And mind you, yeah, it, it, it's a half ounce, which isn't a whole lot. 
Right. Uh, but as of now, I've been doing it for a couple of weeks and, and I, I don't think it's technically any more dangerous than the raw eggs that I've been blending in my coffee. Fair point. So what goes in must come out. How has the gut and processing all of this <laughs> impacted things? One of our members, I won't say the last name, <laughs> it flat out asked, do you still poo? Yeah, so that's not an unusual question in the carnivore scene uh, because of the 100% lack of fiber. And I'm no stranger to, to gut issues. So another unexpected benefit to this was uh, it, it actually cleaned up a lot of uh, the random stomach things I was dealing with. And, and yes, you, you do still poop. It's just a lot less often. But other than that, and they're, I would consider perfectly normal and healthy <laughs> and no issues there. But uh, yeah, the 100% lack of fiber, I would say there's no negative side effects to it at all. Good. Cool. Now, one of the questions that came up, and I know we talked about it in our group chat, was as the calories get lower, how do you deal with that? Because you're used to eating two or three good meals a day. Did you go into an intermittent fast, OMAD? smaller meals what was what did you find worked best for you what i found worked best is at first i tried doing three meals and they were just three smaller meals and i was just left pretty much unsatisfied all day and not that, that i could have made it work but just it just day after day when you're on you know week two week three and there's no end in sight it it's, doesn't seem like a sustainable plan what i found during the week because in the week i'm working and work keeps you busy it makes things a lot easier five days a week and on the weekends but what I found out worked pretty well for me in the week was uh, a small breakfast, somewhere around the five to 700 calorie range, and then go to work. And I'd be able to eat at work. It's no problem for me to work through lunch and just work all day, keep grinding. And then uh, when I'd get home, I'd, I would be ravenously hungry, but then I would still have the back half of those macros, which would be upwards of over 1,500 calories. So then I would just be able to eat a, a really decent sized dinner, like a pound of ground beef, at least according to the chronometer thing that I'm using, is about, I think, 1,200 calories a pound of ground beef, a tablespoon of butter, and about two or three eggs, that's about 1,500 calories. And, and that's a respectable dinner, I would say, for most people. So that, I think, was the easiest way for me to do it, a smaller, lighter breakfast, work my way through lunch, and just slam a big... I, I tried doing OMAD it just with my job. It just wasn't... I just couldn't get... I couldn't make it... The only way I would be able to pull that off is if my OMAD was for breakfast, but I don't have time for that because it takes a while to eat that many calories. And then maybe try to work, just try to force myself to the day. But then I would imagine I'd be ravenously hungry at night. Whereas trying to save it for the night, by the time I got home, I was not in a good mood. I was extremely irritable and uh, hangry is the perfect word for it. And every little thing gets on your nerves. Bless my wife for, for putting up with it. And I'm assuming things didn't get too bad because she didn't check me and she's not one to stay quiet about these things. <laughs> But I know I had to catch myself a couple of times. I'm like, like, like I was saying, I take a lot of deep breaths and in my head, I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. Like little, like the little weird things are starting to irritate you and they're, they don't make sense. They're not logical. There's no reason you should get mad, but it's just the way you're reacting under being an, on, under, a, uh, being under a higher stress environment than you're normally used to and higher stress, meaning you're pretty much starving yourself. What were you? Give us an idea of some of the smaller meals. You've talked about all these different pieces, but what were you packing in your lunchbox most of the time? Typically for breakfast, it would be like a small little chunk of protein, whatever I had left over, whether it be a, like a half of a burger patty or some ham steak and then two or three, two to four eggs, you know, whatever would add up to try to keep it as close to under 700 calories as possible. And then work completely through lunch, try to skip that all together and then come home for dinner. And I got a pretty good example of uh, like, actually today was actually a really good example. And mind you, I'm at my low, which is 
2,180 calories with a target of 164 grams of protein and 166 grams of fat. Now, what I ate doesn't quite add up to that, but you get the idea. But I remind you, like, this is not a bad day's eating, but under the training circumstances and under like the way I train, the, the, how active my life is, it, it's, it hurts. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. So meal one, which was a late breakfast, I didn't work today, had my tooth pulled yesterday, was a, a half ounce of the frozen calf liver, eight ounces of ham steak, three eggs, and a half cup of full fat Bulgarian yogurt. And normally I wouldn't eat the yogurt, but I'm on antibiotics right now. So I'm, I'm doing the probiotic thing and hoping mm-hmm. for the best. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was about 10 a.m. I didn't eat lunch at all. And then meal two, which was this evening, was uh, Frank, the culinary lion, his, his carnivore calzone, which if you're not familiar with it, you haven't made it yet, you need to get on that. It's pretty much ground beef stuffed with mozzarella and pepperoni. Each one is just over a thousand calories. So I had an entire calzone because I had the majority of my calories left for dinner. I had a, a cup of John Lesko's, I remember John Lesko, his chicken bone broth, which is amazing. And in that bone broth, I, I was still able to afford three tablespoons of butter and two blended eggs. So that actually got me to about 99% of my calories. I went over my protein by 30 grams, which obviously we all know really don't care about. And then I was under my fat by, I think, like six grams. But that was today's eating, and that's not unusual to how I've been eating for the past few weeks. I tend to keep things very simple. And so that's a great example a great day what has it been now you've been mainly carnivore mainly carnivore at least for for quite a while so really what that part wasn't really very new to you but we did have some questions about so you've been on straight meat and nothing else that type of question came up from our one-on-one group and so talk about that mental shift if you would maybe of switching to a primarily meat and egg as opposed to everything that had been pushed on us as you need vegetables, you need fiber, you need X, Y, Z. Yeah. So yeah, to specifically answer that question is yes, all I was eating was meat. And yes, it does sound crazy when you hear it for the first time, but the longer you stick around the keto circles, uh, the more normal it becomes and you realize it's, it's not unusual at all. So that part is a hundred percent true. That's all I was eating. Like I said before, I gave you the breakdown a little bit earlier between it was definitely beef heavy and then, and then it scaled down from there. So the biggest shift, it, it's one of those things where you got to experience it because trying to explain it to people isn't going to make any sense to them, especially if they're not even in, in the mm-hmm. keto world. You know, you get, you talk to a, someone who's still on the standard American diet and you tell them that you're eating carnivore, that you're just absolutely insane. It doesn't make sense. And you talk to half the people in the keto world and tell them that you're eating more and 50% of them, you know, are still going to think you're nuts. So it, it's safe. The more organ meats you include, the better, hence my experimenting like with calf liver. From what I understand, even if you just get a little bit of calf liver every day, it has everything you need in it and more bioavailable rations than anything, any plant you'll ever get. And that's documented in many sources. So that, so I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and say that's true. Mm-hmm. So it, it's weird. And then another mental weird shift was that like my initial calorie drop was, I don't remember what it was, like a few hundred. And I was able to hit that simply by not snacking. And when I realized that was like week one was an immediate eye opener because what I found myself doing was walking into the pantry, not even thinking and mm. grab my bag of, of my bag of prize. Man, I love catching. Grab my bag of prize. And I was holding, I'm like, oh, wait, not this <laughs> week. So that was definitely the weirdest thing to think that I was able to cut a few hundred calories out of my daily routine 
simply by stopping the snacking what was that in itself was pretty eye-opening so i mean that if you're gonna stick to carnivore and you're gonna give this a try that realization alone even if you only do it for a week you just oh Okay. Mind you, yes, pork rinds are still in there. I could eat the pork rinds. There's pepperoni in the fridge. I could eat pepperoni. That's not a problem. It's still 100% on plan. But when that when you have that realization, it, it kind of opens your eyes a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I've I, as I've been doing a carnivore month myself, I'm not not cutting at all, just just carnivore. I have had a few times where I see that bag of almonds and I go, I really want some almonds right now. But nope, not going to do it. I <laughs> move on. I find something else. Or I just try to hold off for a few minutes and see if my craving for for the snack is going to pass. Are you going to keep doing this, Berto? Yeah. The six-week reverse, I'm definitely going to – actually, I'm glad you asked it. That brings up another thing I want to talk about. Uh, the six-week reverse, I'm definitely going to mm-hmm. – I'm definitely going to stick to carnivore. So I got at least another six and a half weeks. And then uh, what's real sounding starting to sound real appealing – is uh, we talked to Cody Myler and he said he was doing carnivore five days a week and doing keto on weekends. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it'll be my, like a five, two split, but uh, I do think I will allow myself a keto day or two every week just because why not really? Like I just had my birthday. We, we go out at our big birthday dinner. Most people on their birthdays, they go all out and you, you guys are going to laugh. You want to know what my big birthday cheat meal was? My big birthday cheat meal was we went to Liberty barbecue. Chris is familiar with Liberty mm-hmm. barbecue right yeah. by his house. I had uh, their four meat plate with pickles and their Cobb salad. Yep. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, their Cobb salad is amazing. But yeah, I've been carnivore this long that I was legitimately craving greens. And I wanted greens. I'm like, you know what? It's my birthday. I've been saying this long. We're just going to go for it. I'm like, bring me that Cobb salad. Bring me that four meat plate. And I'm going to eat these pickles. And yep. I'm going to eat this. Ca- I'm gonna eat- I couldn't yeah. even finish the salad. It, it was too It was too much volume there sure. by the time I got done with everything else. But but yeah, I mean, that, that's what it came down to. And then every now and then, like, I think last time when I did my six-month tour streak, I just one day I was sitting there and I'm like, man, that salad looks really good. And so I ate the salad. So I, I, I foresee that in my future, I will still be very carnivore heavy, but I'll probably just allow myself the 25 grams of total carbs once or twice a week. Yeah, that sounds like a really great uh, way to go. And it uh, harkens back to what Miles, I think, our, our friend Miles coined the, the, the phrase, carnivore and I cheat by keto, with keto, and I think that's a, a good way to live in general, uh, because that that you, if nothing else, it keeps your carb count super low, and uh, reduces most, if not all, of the things that cause inflammation that even that are even keto approved. Talk about the quality of the meat that you have been eating. Now you you are lucky, and you've shared a little bit of this with me previously, and so I know how lucky you are. You have. Texas Wagyu locally grown beef as something that you go to on a regular basis. But tell us a little bit more about the aim for quality. The specific question that was asked was, are any meats good or should you start, should you stay away from deli meats and lower quality? I'm going to go with the, the stand all the standalone, get what you can afford. Yeah. You know, like we just said, I'm lucky enough to where I get locally raised beef for really cheap because I, I obviously i buy it by the half steer so there that's the the bulk of what i eat and, and honestly that's mostly based on because that's what i have the most of and i still go to the grocery store and now when i go to the grocery store i just buy what's on sale whether it be chicken whether it be pork doesn't matter but go with what you can eat i would say 
As far as the processed stuff, you can get cleaner deli meats. And if you want to be real picky, stay away from the pepperonis and the bacon only. Because bacon, nothing wrong with bacon, but you get a lot of calories for not a lot of food. And when you're mm -hmm. going to tackle something like this, you quickly realize that bacon is almost not worth it when a, a full pound of bacon cooks down to five to six ounces. And <laughs> at my best guess, because there's no way to really calculate bacon because you don't know how much fat's burning off. You don't know how much protein's left. There's no way to really gauge it. Mm -hmm. But at my best guess, it's 200 calories a slice. Or at least that's what I calculate it as when I'm tracking. If I wanted to hit, if you want to eat eight, eight pieces of bacon at 200 calories a slice, then that's a, that doesn't add up to much. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, 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 I can easily get a full pack, a package of bacon. And if I let myself, I, I try not to, I can put that whole thing down. <laughs> it doesn't take yeah. much. And even if I, I think I had it wrong, even if the calculation is 100 calories a slice, still 16 slices of bacon to 1600 calories, and that's going to boil down to five to six ounces of actual edible mm -hmm. bacon. And then, it, you know, it, it just didn't, it just isn't the most efficient way to get your calories in. I should say it's a very efficient way to get your calories in. It's not a very satisfying way to get your yeah. calories in. Yeah. And, and but, it uh, always leaves behind a lot of fat in the tray if you're baking yeah, it. Yeah. And there's or, no way to calculate that yeah. or know how much of it you actually ingested or not. And mm -hmm. I'm not one that, it's going to sit there and save all my bacon fat and use it for later or try to drink it to get my calories in. I hope <laughs> nobody's really doing that. Yeah, it was one of those things that the simpler you can make it, the better. I, mean, I would say if you can get your hands on some really higher quality deli meat, as long as you can be sure that it's not it's not maple turkey mm -hmm. or maple ham, then yeah, you should be good. And this for portability, you really can't go wrong. So definitely do that. But just aim with what you can afford and what's easier for you and just do, do your best to keep it as clean as possible. You're already doing it. So you're already taking it one one step past keto. Yeah. So at that point, if you slip up a little bit on the meat and you just it, it's already as clean as it's going to get. So don't fret too much about that. It's not going to make or break anything. I don't feel. Just amazing. I just I'm listening to all this stuff and just taking it all in about how the human body can adapt and adjust and everything just based on the, the food that the nutrients that go into it. It's just crazy to me sometimes. Yep, absolutely. Um, let's, I think we've covered most of the food related questions here that, that were asked. Let's shift gears back into kind of the workout stuff. One of the specific questions was exercise routine substitutions for those with like limited gym access or limited equipment. Yeah. And I actually specifically heard Danny speak to this saying that the training program he gives you is like a bonus. Any training is going to work. Mac we all know macros are extremely powerful. Like I said, for one week, I was laid up feeling ill, and I didn't work out at all, but stuck to the macros 100%. And I, and, and I actually messaged him saying, hey, I was sick last week. I did zero training, stuck to the macros. I go, do I repeat week two or do I carry on with week three? And his response was, did you lose weight and how much did you lose? And at the time I responded to so my scale was still working at the time. And I said, yeah, I'm down. I think it was two or three pounds. And he said, move on to week three. He's like, you still lost a few pounds, move on to week three. Don't sweat mm -hmm. week two. Just keep on going. Yeah. So the macros are extremely powerful. Like I said, I specifically heard him say that his training isn't necessary as long as you are training. Yeah. Any weight program will work because these macros are, are, are going to, are going to take over more than anything. He, there's a lot of rowing involved, a hundred percent more rowing than I was doing because I don't row, but uh, this program is very rowing heavy. And then you're basically doing heavy accessory lifts outside of that, but you're most everything is going to be based around rowing. 
So I would say uh, any lifting you're going to do is fine. Then just throw in any kind of conditioning work you feel like doing, whether it be burpees, jogging would probably be the easiest, any, anything like that. And then just a little bit here and there, and then and let the macros do their thing. The workouts are going to get harder because you're in a deficit. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter what you do. It's still going to be really hard and you're still going to be taxing yourself. And, and as long as, as you just keep pushing and grinding hard, I'd say it's fair to say that you're going to get the results. So in that specific regard, have your numbers significantly decreased in the gym or have you been surprised that they've held where they are, but maybe a little bit lower than normal? What's that been? I stuck to his training program to the T, which is completely different than what I'm used to doing. It's not the same training that I was doing. So, you know, previously I I was training deadlifts for heavy deadlifts. I think I only had maybe two or three sessions of deadlifts this entire time. So it's hard, it's hard to compare when you're training for different things. But when I did deadlift, it was excruciatingly painful and hard. And I was struggling to put up weight that I would normally not even think twice about putting up. It definitely took a hit, which is to be expected. But even in the program, it's, I think the highest you went was, you know, four sets of one. You know, you put a heavy weight on there and it was, I think, a 405 rack pull. And I, I should be able to do a rack pull with 405 pounds any day of the week without even thinking about it And this time. It was tough, man. The rest periods are longer. The time to hype yourself up takes longer. I was having a real hard time finding my, what I call my kill zone, where, where you, you just, mm-hmm. you're on and your vision mm-hmm. goes blurry and you're just there grinding and grinding. Like I was having a hard time finding that. It was getting hard. Yeah. And, and you just keep pushing and going for it, but definitely an overall decrease in gym performance, which is a hundred percent to be expected. So you just got to put that aside because if you get hung up on that, you're just going to be frustrated every day and, and it's not going to work. Yeah. But in that context, it would benefit sticking to his program because it's unlike anything you've ever done and you have no baseline. Mm-hmm. So that I think there's probably value in that. So uh, one of the other questions as we are starting to get to the end of the, the stack of them is asking, would doing this cut followed by a bulking phase be beneficial for fat loss followed by subsequent <sighs> muscle gain during a bulk and then back to this program to cut bulk cycle how cyclical would you say that you could do this as a sustainable, that type of thing? I would say that all depends on your timeline. Because when you read that question, it makes it sound like you're looking to, as soon as this cut ends, hop into a bulk, which I, I don't think is a good idea for many reasons. People that are way more educated in this stuff than I am have said it. And, and for example, uh, short, shortly after I ended my bulk, Danny had announced he was having a carnivore cut contest where transformation pictures and the whole bit stick to the program, blah, 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 post your transformation at the end. And whoever he picked won a vacation. And obviously that seemed extremely appealing. And I just, all I did was make a comment and I'm like, I'm like cut, huh? And he immediately responded. He's like, no, he's like, this is, he's like pretty much what he, what he came down to. He's like, you can't do this right now. You just came off a bulk. He's like, you, you can't go he pretty much cut me off right there. So you can't go directly into a cut right off a bulk. You need to kind of hang out for a little bit, make sure everything sticks before you drop back down. And I was just like, oh, okay. I guess that's a good answer. But even he was saying like for me to go from that all-time high, which was 3,700 calories a day and 310 grams of fat a day, to immediately drop into this extremely drastic cut was not a good idea. So in mm-hmm. a sense, and I was, I was happy because he could have gone the salesman route and sold me the program and sure. just had me hop on and, and probably crash and burn, but he didn't. So to, to specifically answer that question, I think you should definitely hang out in maintenance for a while before you transition to your next mm-hmm. phase. Like I am going to slowly increase my calories till I find an optimal split between 
how I look and how I perform and see if I can find what a true lean bulk is where I can gain a little tiny bit of weight very slowly over time, but still maintain the low body fat percentage. And, and I think there's going to be value in that before I, I ever try to go into a hardcore aggressive bulk. Because if you think of it, just my timeline, I cut last year around this time. I think it was right around October. I started my bulk. My bulk went from October to, I want to say January. Then I rode that out for about a month and slowly started tapering back. And, and then I went back into my cut five weeks ago. But, it, and you take that, it sounds fast when you say it, but that was my whole year. One bulk cycle, one slowly tapered down cycle, then an aggressive cut. And I'm going to stick with this for a while before I even think about, and I don't know if I'm going to bulk again anytime soon, but before I even think about an actual bulk, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stay here for a bit. So if you're going to stretch it out and give yourself plenty of time and maintenance in between, I don't think there's any danger in that at all. Obviously people do it all the time, but I would definitely not recommend hopping from one back to the other and back again. Cause it, I think that would truly be unsustainable. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly be hard. I think I'll give Robert Sykes as an example on this. He talks about his competition prep, which is way above more intense than the carnivore keto cut that you, you're wrapping up right now as far as the cutting portion of it. He was, Robert was on a continual cut for 25 weeks or something. Like it was some amazing, like crazy number. And slowly tapering down while continuing to keep his protein about the same. And he didn't do that until he had two or three years of full-on recovery and bulking after his last competition. So there's absolutely something to be said for taking your time, being intentional, not rushing your body into these phases. The other thing that I uh, will say, I, I just recently read the book by Logan Sneed, uh, Thank You Cancer. And he talks about how he was constantly, whenever he was on the, the standard American diet, he was constantly on these cycles of leaning, bulking, leaning, bulking, leaning, bulking, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, trying to refine and and build while not losing and all of this stuff. And he relates later on after he went keto, he doesn't need to do that. He just stays consistent year round. And sometimes I'm sure that he varies his caloric intake a, a little bit one way or another. I think actually he found out at one point recently that he actually needed to eat more often and eat a higher calorie because his what he thought was maintenance was just way too low and he wasn't seeing the gains that he should have been for the work that he was doing in the gym and things like that. It's the cycle thing on a ketogenic diet, I don't think is as important as it is whenever you're on a uh, carb heavy diet. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Cool. Let's see here. You talked about supplements a little bit. You ended up doing whey powder. They, the Mac also asked about creatine or multivitamin. You're pretty much hardcore, just your electrolytes, right? Yeah. Under the circumstances world these days, I, I am taking extra vitamin D and vitamin C. Mm -hmm. I, I'm still working, but that is 100% as a, a precautionary and proactive as opposed to having anything to do with this cut. Yeah. So, but yeah, other than that, no, I'm pretty much getting it all from food. There was another question about collagen that we talked about a little bit before we started recording. Your take was simply, it's a good thing, so take it in if you want to. I say it's animal-based. I wouldn't necessarily see it directly connected to a cut necessarily. But increasing collagen can absolutely be a healthy thing because 
a lot of collagen sources are being cut out of the food that we're eating, especially if you're using uh, any amount of protein or, or processed or packaged foods as a part of your primary portion of your diet. There's a lot of things like collagen that gets uh, lost out on that. Making a good bone broth or getting high quality bone broth is a great way to get that. Or you can get uh, collagen peptides, make a drink out of it. It's really easy. Things like that. So that's a great question there. Let's see. What was one of your grab and go things whenever you were on the road, but you needed something to to eat? Or did you stay focused 100% on meal in the morning, meal in the evening? I, for the most part, stayed completely focused on, on meal in the morning, meal in the evening. Luckily, I didn't have to travel for work, but one week when, when I was going mm-hmm. through this, but had I had to, it would have been pork rinds all day, yeah. you know, to just because the bag of pork rinds will hold you over. It's completely animal-based. It has collagen. It's a great, <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, that would have been my go-to hands down because it, it on the road is probably the, under the circumstances, probably the cleanest thing you could find that doesn't mm-hmm. have dairy in it yep. and that it'll keep you going. Now you um, mentioned, I think that's important to call out. You mentioned that a couple of times where you weren't going for the cheese sticks and things like that. Uh, Danny makes the, uh, he makes an encouragement in the documentation to cut back on dairy. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Which when keto, when you're cheese and heavy whipping cream are typically your best Mm -hmm. friend. Mm -hmm. But I, and I also know that dairy tends to be the biggest stalling component for a lot of people. And it isn't until they cut it out that they start seeing different results. Mm -hmm. So that was probably the, the biggest impact. The biggest difference that I had doing all of this was just cutting out the dairy to go from a couple of cheese sticks were my go-to almost all the time. You know, you go to a guy's yeah. age, there's always cheese sticks or those little cheese sandwiches mm-hmm. with a piece of salami in between. You know, those things are available anywhere. So to, to completely cut those out, took a little bit of an adjustment. And, and again, under the circumstances, if you're only allowed X amount of calories, a cheese stick isn't very big for the amount of calories that are in it. So if you can successfully cut it out, you're going to be better off. I think I, I made those calzones twice this whole time. Obviously, they have cheese in it. I wasn't going to sweat it. And I think other than that, I may have had two or three tablespoons of heavy whipping cream. And then there was one on one night where it's, I, I realized that if I added, I think, 10 grams of cheese, it perfectly nailed my macros. <laughs> and 10 grams of cheese is not a lot of cheese. No, no, so not. I just threw it in there and threw it on top of my burger patty just to just to, to true up my macros. Mm-hmm. And it worked quite well. But other than that, I don't know if you would consider frozen burger patties grab and go, but I ate a ton of frozen burger patties. They're extremely easy to calculate. For the most part, you scan the barcode and everything pops up right there. And I would knock down four to six of those on my bigger dinners and just because it was easy and you can cook them fast. Yeah. Well, and that harkens back to the the quality of what you're eating things. Sometimes you just got to eat what you got to eat. And whenever you get home late and you just need something to eat and you need a lot of it, throwing a couple of those on, on the grill real quick is a, a great way to go. A couple of minutes on each side, probably, depending on how hot you get your grill going. Yeah, you can't go wrong. And those, again, I, I just go to the grocery store and I pick the cleanest ones I could find. Mm-hmm. Just definitely read the ingredients because... Yeah, fillers. You don't yeah, there fillers. are some out there that are... that I mean, I, they delivered a, us a package by accident. And they're not hamburgers. They're... I think they were beef patties. Mm. <laughs> there, was, there was clever marketing in the name. And I turned yeah. it around and like the first ingredient, it was like, first was like beef heart. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is different. Okay. Then as you start reading it down, there's soy this and soy yeah. that and all kinds of fillers. And, and I'm like, you know what? I was like, I'm going to make one and try to eat it. So like I tried to eat it and it was terrible. It was legitimately terrible. Mm-hmm. So I tried to give it to my kids. They wouldn't eat it. I tried to give it to the dog. The dog wouldn't eat it. 
<laughs> I'm just like, okay, I guess these are uh, pretty much just going to go in the garbage. <laughs> yep. Yep. H- hate to throw something that might have a nutritious value away, but yeah. Yeah. Whereas the ones that I typically go with now at HEB, you look at the bag, it says ingredients, beef. That- you know, then, so that, that's the ones I go with. Yep. HEB has a lot of great <laughs> options that way. Oh my gosh. It's, I thought I had some good grocery store options up in Kansas City growing up, but HEB, they're the best. That's um, not an Indiana thing at all. I've never been to one of those, but I've seen you guys talk about it before. They're a Texas thing. They're only in Texas. So one more reason for you to come, come down and join us. <laughs> One more. Add it to the list. Yes. Yep. Add it to the list. Okay. So there's one last really important question that got thrown on there. So we got to do this. That do your nipples. You can ask it, Chris. Do, I think it's appropriate. <laughs> do your nipples glow more in pictures? I'm looking at them right now. They glow more in person. <laughs> when you paint them, oh, you know, that's a problem. <laughs> that's true. But I will comment like what this whole carnivore collagen higher fat has done wonders for my skin in general mm-hmm. and and that might be more of the elimination of other things than you know actual carnivore itself but but yeah there's uh there's definitely been some skin changes that i have no complaints about and i'll leave it up to whoever asked a question to look at my nipples next time i post a picture and they can let me know <laughs> yes yes uh, that's <laughs> awesome i i think this has been a, a great thing jim did you have any other questions that you wanted to dig into oh, had some been all kinds of good detail and everything yep absolutely you've had a, a little uh, connection issue tonight and back and forth as we get as you just keep getting back on and we keep going i'm yep. making it yep absolutely okay that was a really great and i hope that that our listeners will find that really informative and helpful and help them go into their next step whatever that may be whether that be a cut whether that may be Cycling into cycling into a bulk, whatever it takes, whatever their next step, their next challenge may be. Hopefully, this will will help them th- to take that step and uh, feel a little more confident about doing so. At this point, there's pretty much not anything else. Any other club business that we need to attend to and and things like that? We hit six hundred in the one hundred one keto one hundred one. Yes, we did. Nice work. Yeah. We'll do our Welcome Wednesday post tomorrow and see if we've got any more. But yeah, if you're listening and want to check out more about Keto, the Keto 101 Man's Club on Facebook for all mm-hmm. the details. Absolutely. Link to that is on the website, theketomansclub.com, along with all of our socials. And you you yourself should go to Berto or to our Instagram and Check out the physical transformation that he's been showing and all and that. And it's not even done yet. I and it's not to, even done. Yeah. I, I missed time to buy a week. I actually don't peak till this till this weekend. But yeah. now I'm on antibiotics from this tooth being pulled and painkillers and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that's going to do. So at least yeah. I got the good picture in. <laughs> yeah. Ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully you won't see much. But yeah, that's a possibility for sure. That anytime that you introduce that type of thing, that can happen. So hopefully not. Uh, anyway, that's pretty much it. And until next week, make sure to eat meat, lift heavy, sleep, and repeat. Thank you for joining us for the Keto Man's Club podcast. Your support means the world to us. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Would you help us spread the word about the Keto Man's Club by sharing with your friends and family? We're available on all podcast platforms, so just search for Keto Man's Club and you'll find us. If you would like to connect with us, you can do so a number of ways. Our web address leads to our Facebook group, theketomansclub.com. 
That's T-H-E-K-E-T-O-M-A-N-S-C-O-U-B.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Keto Man's Club Podcast. Lastly, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out via email to Keto Man's Club Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for joining us today, and we look forward to hanging out with you again next week.